up, everyone? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 34. We're your hosts, Kendall and Josh. Welcome back, everybody. Today is episode number 34, and we are talking about a just probably one of the most mind-boggling cases I think you and I have ever even, you know, known about, but to just like dive into this like we have over the past, you know, week or so, just really trying to get our hands around this mammoth yeah. of a case has just been absolutely Well, we've actually known about this case for a really long time. Because right. we watched something on her in high school or like See, freshman I year. I vaguely of remember this, yeah. We definitely did. And then I covered her on my channel like when I first started, maybe two oh me is it over two years ago now? Damn. But um yeah. It is just one of those cases that has stayed with me. Like when people always ask me, like, is there one that you'd really want to know the answers to? This is the one that just always pops into my head because there are so many possibilities. And I've never like fully latched onto a theory or like I'll think one thing for a few months and then I'll change my mind. And this case just literally sleepless nights over this one. Yes. <laughs> I listen to every podcast. I've seen everything on it. And there's Josh a lot on it. Yes. And <laughs> the case that we're talking about in case you can't possibly oh, guess we what not it even is. say it it is the disappearance of mara murray mora mora sorry it's hard it's hard yeah, yeah. it's mora it's confusing sorry, with Mara, like the au Mara. but yeah mora mora murray mm-hmm. and yes this is a very famous case i guess just mostly because of the online attention it's received yeah it's i mean there's whole reddits like dedicated to it there's because tons there's and tons so many of people possibilities, trying to figure it out. So everyone wants to come up with one. Yes. So it's, it's interesting. True. So that is what we're diving into today. It should be a very interesting episode. And if you haven't heard this case, then, yeah. oh man, you're in for a treat Get today. Ready. I mean, this one's going to really leave you thinking at the end yeah, of it. for real. But today's episode of the Mile Hard Podcast is actually brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time casper's mattresses are designed by humans for humans the original casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right sink in and just the right bounce considering we spend about one third of our lives on a mattress it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing that's why casper gives you 100 nights to try it out oh that's awesome Yes, it is awesome. And we love our Casper. It is extremely comfortable. It is. Our old mattress, I sleep on my side because I snore a a lot. I sleep on my side just because I do. Yeah. And I was getting really uncomfortable in our last mattress. Me too. Me too. Squishy. Me too. And this one is the perfect combination of like squish and firmness. Yep. It's firm. You feel supported, but you also sink in a little bit. It's, It's honestly a really great bed. It is. It is. So. What we're offering you today is $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash mile higher and using promo code mile higher checkout terms and conditions apply, but that's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash mile higher and using the promo code mile higher checkout. So thank you, Casper. Yes. Thank you, Casper. Another exciting thing that I want to update you on is we're steadily inching towards our new studio space is slowly coming together. We are trying to get all of the uh, items that we need to make this work. And uh, also merch is on the way, which I'm very excited to unveil in the next couple weeks. So Yeah, Josh has been really into been, it. Yeah, and there's some really cool designs, I think, that many of you will like. So get ready for that. But today's Patreon question comes from Carl. He said, what do you guys think about the crackdown on fake news from social media 
And do you think it will affect channels like yours? Should the people spreading the fake news be responsible for others reading it and believing it without checking it if it's real or not? So I understand what you're asking here. Well, for one, I mean, we're not spreading fake news. You know, Mm -hmm. anything that we don't know if it's a fact or not, we usually disclaimer it and be like, hey, like, we don't know if this is fucking true or not. So. And we really try not to present theories as if they're completely true. Like some of them is just overwhelming because there's so much evidence. So we definitely lean towards that way. But we always are like, we never 100% commit to believing anything or sharing anything. Um, No, you're absolutely right. We don't. And I mean, we really, because at the end of the day, it's like, I don't, we don't want to necessarily be teaching you everything. We want to expose you to different things or telling you what to believe. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We want to just want to teach you, but not, you know. You know, make up your own mind on it exactly so and alex jones definitely takes the opposite approach well i mean that's what's got him in hot water because i mean yeah. there's a lot of things and a lot of you know different theories and things like that especially like old alex jones like years ago alex yeah. jones when he first got started he was di- and kind of left he was way different than he is now he's gotten so right-wing conservative with all of his views for the most part so well and just greedy well yeah he's become <laughs> all about the money and it's just uh the money and the supplements <laughs> sell supplements. <laughs> yeah. So if you guys haven't seen, but Alex Jones is basically getting completely removed off the internet. His yeah. app was just removed. The info wars app was just yeah. removed from the app store, which, so here's the thing is like, he, he's making a case saying that I'm being deplatformed, that they're taking my platform away. And this is like a violation of my first amendment rights, free speech, like, what do you think about this? This is like pretty crazy. Yeah. Because the fact that he's kind of the first person that's been like literally banned from everything from any public distribution channel that we all have access to. He's off of now. Yeah. So what like he literally is going to have to do it all himself. It seems like, like people are going to have to like go to his website, go to his website. He's going to have to like, but how is he he's not, he's not banned from the Internet? Right. It's just like you can't go into a store and start just like saying hate speech or something. They can remove you even though you have the freedom of speech. They can right. still remove you. Well, from you're on their, their platform is like being deplatformed yeah. for violations of hateful speech. I don't think he was removed from like Twitter, that. though. He was. He Eventually got, he got he was. permanently. His account oh, is permanently wow. suspended right now. Wow. Infowars and his personal. Yeah. So he's off of Twitter. He's well, off. Well, he's of the just App very Store. salacious. He doesn't have a lot of factual. Like a lot of his stuff isn't based completely on fact. He has he some just, things that are maybe true or interesting, but a lot of it is like a lot of guessing, a lot of speculation, and a lot of like rumor based. Yeah, type his delivery things, method, which is I don't like that shit. His delivery method of information is just shit. <laughs> just like yelling at you. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's like you know, like trying to scare you. What yeah. The hell, like why? And I mean, he's obviously catering to a certain audience for his yeah. his fans or whatever, which are in the millions of people. So that's why this is still a big deal. It was funny, though. There was a a funny clip that went viral on Twitter that I just saw today from earlier this week. Alex Jones, like, cornered Marco Rubio and was, like, asking him about why he's being, like, censored and deplatformed oh, and this. stuff. And Marco Rubio just acts like he doesn't know who he the hell like he he's like, I don't was. know who you are, bro. It was hilarious. Yeah, I saw that on Colbert. <laughs> and he started like Alex Jones was getting so angry because Marco Rubio was just completely acting like he doesn't exist. And and Alex <laughs> Jones was like, you know who Infowars.com is. Don't stop playing That's this game. So like funny. just talking. He probably shit to him. does, though. Why? Why? No, I know. He probably. No, I know. Yeah, exactly. It's Clearly so he did. But what was funny, there was a mo- <laughs> there was a moment that cracked me up where um, Marco Rubio 
he or Alex Jones, I'm sorry, he pats Marco Rubio on his shoulder, just been like a pat. And oh, Marco that was Rubio Alex was like, actually talking to him. Yes, he was what? right next to him. I thought the, it was just someone. I from saw a different Infowars. angle. No, I saw a different angle, and Alex Jones is standing right here. Like Marco's talking to the uh, and he's pretending news. he doesn't know who he's he pretending is. to just ignore them. He's oh. like, who is this guy? Who is this My fucking God. guy? And it's like, really, Why? dude, you're gonna act like? And he's literally like, conservatives are literally being kicked off the internet and all this and that. And Marco Rubio is just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. It was funny though. It was, I don't know. You should, I'll, I'll link it. But I thought it was pretty interesting. But so. like, I do see their point though, in a way. You know, I'm torn because I don't like him representing my what i would consider our community of fellow-minded open-minded free well, thought you know thinkers. free just open-minded people <laughs> yeah. people that think outside the box or yeah you know. and i would never want our rights to question things to be taken away so it is like it's hard it's a little concerning for but sure but it's all about how you do things and right. making sure that you are professional about it that you're not blaming like creating Fake narratives yeah. that aren't true. The guy's got defamation lawsuits on his yeah, hands. Yeah, majorly. Like, like people are coming after him because the the way that he's do, doing it and just. Well, he's like encouraging. He's coming people. after people. He's literally yeah. coming for people and he's challenging them and making people feel extremely uncomfortable. And that's where I draw the line. That's where I fucking draw the line. Yeah. And that's why there doesn't we, need to be anger. There doesn't need to be anger. And that's he's pissed off and angry. He's just like I don't like that. That's, That's not, not the way to approach this. You're never going to get yeah. somebody to believe your message if you deliver it that way. Yeah, That's all I gotta seriously. Say. That's all I got to fucking say. Right. And acting like you're so confident in knowing everything is like such a turnoff for me. Like, why can't you say I, I'm very interested in this theory? Like with me with 9-11 or any theory, really, there's like a huge portion of me that does believe it. But I always leave like room for doubt because like you never know. You and don't. when you just start saying to <laughs> people as if you're know. completely sure it's true. That's I just I draw the line there, too. So, well, it's just like extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And if you're Agreed. making extraordinary, extraordinary claims, claims with zero evidence and on top of that, it's hurting other people, their family, their livelihoods. And like that is fucked up. That's just like completely crossing the fucking line as a human being. Like, dude, yeah. that's like, uh, uh so I get it and I get why it's been removed. But that's why also there's tons of us out there that are on these platforms having no problems whatsoever yeah. because we're approaching it the right way. At least I, th that's what I think. So I had problems for a while, but it's gotten a lot better as far as like what's allowed. No, it's absolutely gotten better. And, it's and all that's about the thing. How you do things. Just don't make fucking salacious claims with no evidence. It's yeah. just like, cause fake news is or, actually a serious you know, problem. Yeah. And you got to think too, like there's a plate, you know, there's a place for, for things and place, certain yeah. types of conversations. And, you know, sometimes, they're not the public forums, you know. But so anyway, what are you drinking over there, Josh? Josh has got a beer. Look at this. Stella Artois. Artois. Belgium brew. It's because today is NFL Sunday. And right <laughs> now, as we're filming and recording, my team is playing the Carolina Panthers. So I'm repping yeah. the team. I'm having a, a brewski. <laughs> so cheers. Cheers. I am so ready to. Oh, we have one more subtopic, though. Yes. Oh, you want to. Yeah, do yeah this was fucking this. so sad. And uh, it just. Hurts God. my heart, honestly. So I think it was Friday. Yes. Um, Mac Miller, only 26 years old. He's a rapper and he's very, very talented. Josh and I have been listening to him for a really long time. And he's, he's our age. Yeah, he is um, a little older than us. Or I guess you're about to turn 26. Yeah. But yeah, he he has been struggling with substance abuse for a while now. And it was made 
public because of his split with Ariana Grande. She said, you know, I can't fix him, whatever. And so there's been a lot of concern about him. And sadly, it was announced that he was found dead in his apartment, yeah, likely due to drug overdose. Yeah. And what I read about was that he has a lean addiction. Oh, man. So if you don't know really, what lean is, it's really basically like really intense and... cough syrup mixed with Sprite. Um, So not good to be drinking every day, clearly. Codeine and promethazine. Codeine, yeah. In a syrup and... That's what Lil Wayne was like drinking a ton of and he ended up in the hospital. Yeah, I mean, that's what the whole fucking song by uh, Macklemore is about. He's literally like, I've seen people die of lean and, you know, here's another. Yeah. It's not a fucking game. Like, I don't think people understand like that shit will Mm -mm. kill you if you just do not like it's dangerous. Imagine what that does to your body. Like, ugh, gross. Try some Kratom. Seriously. Like, if you need to mellow out, like drink some Kratom. Seriously. But I I don't know what happened to Mac. It's just so tragic though and it's been so sad to listen to his music over the weekend and just like think about all the songs he was probably going to release or he was yeah, working and his... on. And it's just such a bummer. And and not to mention like Ariana Grande, this poor girl has gotten so much shit over this. Like people are just attacking her on her Instagram. I was reading the comments on her Instagram. I couldn't believe it. People are so mean. They're blaming it on her saying she abandoned him. And like, can I just say as someone who has had serious addicts in their life it is not your in my family close very close to me it is not your fault if you cannot fix them no it's not you can't there's only so much you can do before you just waste all your time and burn out and obviously there are differences you know when it's a parent relationship or something but as in a relationship there's nothing that so at some point there's nothing that you can do and you can't like blame yourself for something like this or hold yourself responsible for someone else's addiction. I mean, addiction is a disease it and is. it's just like anything else. Like you can't, you wouldn't hold yourself responsible if your family member yeah. died of cancer or right. another disease. Cause you can't, because fix you them. can't, yeah, you can't, you didn't go to school to learn how to deal with a narcotics addiction or whatever it is. So that's intense a, shit. Absolutely. So absolutely. The poor thing. I mean, she got out of I think it was a really hard year for her because she's you know, she had the shooting in Manchester just last summer and then went through this, you know, horrible breakup. He was yeah. dealing with drugs and then now he passes away and she's getting all this shit. And I mean, his poor family and the whole just rap industry has just been so like shook by this, I think, because it's just it's so, so sad and so disappointing. But I, I really hope that some of the rappers out there look at their content. I mean, it's wishful thinking, right? Probably not going to happen. But I hope they look at it because I, I've heard songs that talk about Xanax. I've heard songs that talk about pop. And pill. Pump, what is that one Lil song? Lil Pump, man. Lil oh, Pump yeah, is all about guy. the Xannies. And, and so is, you know, so many other of these, especially. What was the song? Future. We, we was listening to this we were listening we were in australia with this guy and we were listening to a future song what is the one that's like percocet oh molly, molly percocet, percocet. Yeah, yeah yeah and it came on in the car and he, he had never Mask heard it before off, yeah. and he was like is he saying like percocet like painkillers yeah like, yeah what the fuck kind of song is this well that's the thing is like i i think rappers especially because that a lot of rappers rap about drugs and stuff just like need to reevaluate like what image you're putting out there and and i think a lot of them are a lot of them have yeah. changed even even yeah. a rapper called lil xan 
is no longer rapping about Xanax. He's trying to like help. That's good. Yeah. Because it's such a problem. Especially I have Xanax so many people horrible. in my life that have struggled with prescription medication, like friends still in my life. Yeah. It's horrible. It's so horrible. So we need more rappers promoting like like Macklemore. He like wrote an excellent and, song. What yeah, is the like, song he wrote about? Drug his dealer. Brother. He wrote a, a song about. He's written a number. Of his songs brother about died from drug overdose. Other side, um, a bunch of different songs about drug. He was a drug addict and struggles yeah. with. So it's like, you know. So maybe, maybe something can come out of this. Maybe there'll be, you know, the reality of things. And and another huge high profile person, De um, Demi Lovato, just had a right. terrible yeah. uh, drug overdose. The, I love her so much. I love her documentary. It's so sad. But maybe, maybe it's bringing to light the seriousness of this when like mainstream A-list celebrities are dying because of these drugs. Like maybe it'll help people understand or maybe the, it'll become kind of taboo in the music industry to talk about that kind of stuff. I, I think that's what's going to happen is like I think people are going to evolve their music and, and a lot of people have. I mean, a lot of people don't rap about that. They rap about you know, alcohol and weed. Yeah, but like whatever. Whatever, you That's know, fine. it's still better than like such a yeah, highly Yeah, I'm not saying addictive... to have like Barney, like rated G music all yeah. of a sudden, but like, can we cool it with like these drugs that are killing? It's an epidemic in our country. Like, let's not fuck around with this. Hundreds of people are dying every day. Mm -hmm. It's insanity. It is. Um, we so... need to, we honestly need to do like a episode about all this huge problem with opioids yes. and stuff. And I mean, we're, we'll probably get into it a little bit because next week, we yes. are excited to be bringing you guys an episode about the hemp world and industry and history of, you know, marijuana prohibition and all these different things. A very educational look at the truth about, you know, the benefits of, you know, hemp, hemp. and, you know, the marijuana plant. So we're very excited to bring that and that yeah. will shed some light on some of this opioid stuff versus the reality of things with a natural fucking plant that grows in the ground. All right. Let's jump into the disappearance of Maura Murray. Maura Murray. So she is a pretty girl, honestly. She's Gorgeous. she's a pretty girl. Um, she's got Great brown shape. hair, blue eyes. Extremely athletic. Extremely athletic. She was five seven and twenty one at the time of her disappearance. But Maura Murray. She was a track runner in high yes, school. Very yes. athletic. She was born in on May 4th, 1982, but she vanished without a trace, literally into thin air on the evening of February 9th, 2004, after her car crashed on Route 112 in Woodsville, New, ha <laughs> New Hampshire. See, New Hampshire. It's New Hampshire, not New Hampshire? Shire. Every time I see, every time I see sh the word Shire, you Hampshire, think of, like I think, Lord of the Rings. Ah. Uh, we did that. I said it just in one of my videos last week about Worcestershire or yeah. I don't know. I said it, I said it yeah. wrong. Someone was like, oh my God, it's hilarious. <laughs> Someone got mad at me though. It's so funny how people get mad if we like mispronounce those types of things. <laughs> I'm only human. But New Hampshire, what's your excuse for that? Because we fucking live here. So No, it's true. I mean, I've never even been to New actually, Hampshire. Not, not New Hampshire. <laughs> Especially since there's a village after it. But anyway. If, if you don't get the, the joke here, then I'm sorry. All right. New Hampshire, a village in Haverville. Haverhill. Haverville. Her whereabouts remain unknown to this day. So that's a, basically she's still, we have no idea what happened to her or where she ended up. So let's take a look at how things transpired um, during her, this disappearance that happened. So after midnight on Monday, February 9th, 
Murray used her personal computer to search MapQuest for directions to the Berkshires and Burlington, Vermont. The first reported contact Murray had with anyone on February 9th was at 1 p.m. when she emailed her boyfriend, I got your messages, but honestly, I didn't feel like talking too much of anyone. I promised to call today, though. She also made a phone call inquiring about renting a condominium in the same Bartlett uh, New Hampshire Condo Association her family had vacationed at in the past. So this is going. Yeah, she she didn't actually like connect with them though. Like she called and it was like one of those automated things. Right. So she ended up not going. Right. Um, but it looked like she was like trying to find somewhere to stay, especially like doing MapQuest um, and having three different locations for MapQuest: Berkshire or <laughs> Berkshire. I don't know. I'm just gonna question everything. <laughs> Burlington, Vermont. Uh, so like different places. Yeah, she definitely was. It so seemed... she didn't have a solid plan set out. It seems like she was just kind of looking for multiple options, calling last minute. It wasn't nothing something she like nailing it down. Right. To like make something happen within the next hours like this is hours before yeah so telefec telefec <laughs> that's a new word telefec <laughs> telephone records indicate the call lasted three minutes the owner did not rent the condo to murray at 1 13 p.m murray called a fellow nursing student for reasons unknown which um it was basically yeah the we we heard a little bit of, of the nursing student i think in the documentary we watched but Anyways, I think they just talked about like homework, just like, normal well, stuff. Like, yeah, nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, I was trying to remember like what was her insight on that, and it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't anything. Like wasn't weird. anything really. Yeah. At one twenty-four p.m., Murray emailed a work supervisor of the nursing school facility or faculty that she would be out of town for a week due to a death in her family, and no one in her family had died. Is the crazy thing about this? Yeah. She also said she would contact them when she returned. I. I'm not going to lie, though. I've totally pulled that before. Pulled what? The someone there was a death in the family. I can't come to this class. <laughs> That's so bad. But no I, I have actually done that, that. How are you serious? Yeah, I think I did. I'm pretty sure I've done that before. I've never gone that. You know, I just I think my freshman like, year of high school there or college, there was something like you had to be at this one final and I couldn't go for some some reason where I was like insanely sick or something. But. That's yeah. all right. I mean, clearly, <laughs> that's not really good though. It's actually really bad to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like I know it's such a big lie to make. Like, that's for like no reason. eight years ago now, though. For me, how crazy is that? Isn't y it? Yeah, we've been out of college for like four years, right? Oh, stop! You're making me feel old. Oh my god, <laughs> uh, I'm so old. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway, at two o five p.m., Murray called a number which provides recorded information about booking hotels in Stowe, Vermont. The call lasted approximately five minutes. At 2.18 p.m., she telephoned her boyfriend and left a voice message promising him that they would talk later. This call ended after one minute. In her car, Mora packed clothing, toiletries, college textbooks, and birth control pills. So the college textbooks thing is interesting because if she had textbooks with her, that would mean she was planning on like studying or doing something with them. Unless they were just in the back of her car already, which I did leave my textbooks in my car. Like that was kind of their permanent residence a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so, just like, like in the trunk. Yeah, they might just have Tattered. been in like riding in the back of the Remember car. Remember when I threw your textbooks in the trash? Uh, yeah, we've already because... talked about that. <laughs> it was just one textbook that you thought I had already taken to class, but I was in the middle of it. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very true. So what's not clear is whether or not Mora packed them that day, but police at the time asserted she had packed between 
Sunday night and Monday morning. On top of the boxes was a printed email to Murray's boyfriend indicating trouble in their relationship. Around 3.30 p.m., she drove off the campus in her black 1996 Saturn sedan, which was broke to shit. And classes at the university had been canceled that day due to a snowstorm, which I don't even understand why she's driving this kind of car in New Hampshire. Like... Yeah, her dad told her that this car was like on its last legs. It was smoking. Had it like was a just, blown, yeah. uh, like cylinder or yeah, something. Because that weekend, right before this, they were actually trying to possibly get her a new car. They ended up not doing it, so she was going to try just make this one last. And um, yeah, so it was kind of weird at in a snowstorm to go off in this car that he 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 told her to put a rag in her tailpipe. Yeah, and. Because it smokes to avoid the police. Because if your car's smoking, a cop's going to pull you over and be like, first of all, is like, there's something wrong with your car. Yeah. But then ticket you because you can't do that. Like, yeah. That's not passing a mission. That's why she did that. So, which is, which to me is like a first sign of like, they are willing to sort of stretch the law, maybe the truth even. Like, one of the things that I noticed too is like, when in interviews with Fred, Fred has always had this distaste. Fred's for the... her dad, by the way. Did we already say that? No, Fred Sorry. Murray is uh, Moore's dad. But I just You're want, <laughs> I just wanted to make a point to think that it is interesting that they, you know, he was willing to be like. I mean, maybe it's not even that interesting because if you didn't have a lot of money, then you're trying to. That's probably what it was, honestly. He, I was just yeah. thinking about the car, like I don't think they had to be sneaky with for it, what they like, wanted with it. Gotcha. No, but he just basically was like, put this in your tailpipe so that you can just, you know, jet around campus yeah. and stuff until we get you another car. And if you do drive, you probably won't make it that far. So it's odd that she was just like, All right, good time for a road tri- road trip in a snowstorm. Yeah. Like, what? Hmm. But at eight th- or at three forty PM. Mora withdrew $280 from an ATM, which is what, as far as we know, was all the money in her bank account. Mm -hmm. Closed circuit footage showed she was alone in the ATM footage and at a nearby liquor store, uh, Mora purchased about $40 worth of alcoholic beverages, including Bailey's Irish cream, Kahlua, vodka, and a box of Franzia wine. Security footage again shows she was alone when she made that purchase. At some point in the day, she also picked up accident report forms from the Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles. She then left Amherst at around 3.50 p.m., presumably via Interstate 91 North. She called to check her voicemail at 4.37 p.m., uh, to see which was the last recorded use of her cell phone. To this day, there's no indication she had informed anyone of her destination or evidence she had chosen one. So these these couple first events are very curious for sure. Mm-hmm. Going to the ATM, emptying your your bank account out and then going to the liquor store to get like a decent amount of liquor. I mean, $40 worth. But it doesn't seem that unusual if she was going on a little trip, if she was meeting people, she, and like, it's not like she got just like straight party. She got like, yeah, she got like party drink type stuff. Like, you know, it's not really, I don't know. So it definitely seemed like she was like looking to have a good time that weekend. Yeah. Which is, that's the whole mystery about this case is like, where was she driving to like and from what it seems like is maybe it was a party or like a get-together or something like that all right on february 9th at 7 27 p.m 
in Woodsville, New Hampshire, resident heard a loud thump outside of her house. Through her window, she could see a car up against the snowbank along Route 112, also known as Wild Amunusek Road. (laughs) Amunusek Road, sorry. The car pointed west on the eastbound side of the road. She called the Grafton County Sheriff's Department at 7.27 p.m. to report the accident. According to the 911 log, the woman claimed to have seen a man smoking a cigarette inside the car. However, she later stated that she had not seen a man nor a person smoking a cigarette, but rather had seen what appeared to be a red light glowing from inside the car. That's totally possible. Potentially from a cell phone, which could yeah. look like, you yeah. know, to an, especially an older person, a cigarette. They don't think she actually saw someone, investigators. Right. At about the same time, another neighbor saw the car as well and someone walking around the vehicle. She witnessed a third neighbor pull up alongside the vehicle. And that neighbor, a school bus driver, who was returning home, noticed the young woman was not bleeding or visibly injured, but cold and shivering. So this guy's name is Butch Anderson? Atwood. Atwood. Butch Atwood. Right. And he stopped in his school bus on his way home, which I guess in this school district, the, they take their buses home. But uh, he was driving home. He was just lived down the yeah, street. Yeah, what the fuck? He took his... I was wondering about that. Why was he at like at night in a bus? That's really taking late. Taking his like, bus home. What day of the week so, was it I mean, again? Seven th- but I guess after all the... In a rural area, like your routes could be like yeah, pretty so long. Crazy so that yeah, they want to make you bring it all the way back to something else and drive home. Right, exactly. It's not that weird that he was. Do like male people or anyone else like allowed to keep their cars? I know police can take their cars home sometimes, right? Uh, some departments let you, yeah. Huh. Some of the more rural places definitely do. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's not that big of a deal, but he... As he's going home, he passes Mora, and she's like walking around the car, is what he said. But he stops and offers offers her uh, a telephone for in order to call AAA. But she says, "I already called them," which he was like, "No, you couldn't have because there's no service right here." Yeah, I think he offered so, that she could come back to his house to call because he yes, had a landline. A landline, right? Um, so the fact that she was like, oh, I already called AAA. He was like, Mm-mm, there's no service. And what year is this again? I totally forget. 2004? 2009. 2009. Okay. So yeah, not great service. It was 2009. <laughs> sorry. HM. Um, sorry. 2004. Wait. Not. Yeah. Nine. I was going to say 2004. 2004. You're right. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're right. You're <laughs> I was right. like, right. wait, shit. I was You're a junior. Right. It was just a no. higher moment right there. So. Yeah. So that was, a uh, definitely record like early on early on absolutely so the coverage was probably not out in most rural areas at that time i think yeah i no. i mean think about what cell phones were back then god i remember it, a babysitter who just had like a brick as a phone but it was like so cool back then it, like <laughs> looked like a straight up brick so like obviously there's not good service the no. phones are barely like working <laughs> no and i think that's why i thought it he thought it was really weird that she was almost like pleading with him like don't don't call the police i'm I good did. like I but called that's because the- she was probably drinking maybe like her mindset was maybe not in the yeah. right place but he didn't say she seemed like drunk though which but i mean it's like that's well, his perspective well she could have been like tipsy even enough to get a dui yeah it's true because they did find we're probably going to get to this but they did find some alcohol in her car they found wine on the ceiling yep and then they also found a trace of liquor in like a diet coke bottle that was in the front seat yes so it's possible she like mixed in some something into her coke and was like the drinking. evidence does seem to point to the fact that she may have been drinking on while she's driving or and let's not forget she was drinking 
right before this. I mean, have we talked about that? Sorry. No, it's probably confusing. Okay. Explain. I'll just, I'll just explain yeah. this for a second. So right before like, um, this all happened that weekend, her dad came up to visit her at school and he was helping her get a car and he took her and another one of her friends to like a local pub. They had dinner after they decided not to get the car. And then it's very confusing what exactly happened. I've read a lot of sources that say that he went into the liquor store with them, bought them liquor. Mm -hmm. And then I've read sources where they just go in. Yeah, I have. And um, then I've seen some stuff that they were in a hotel. And then I've seen some that he was staying in her dorm. So I'm very confused about that. But I do know that she was drinking and he allowed her to take his brand new car. This is his brand new car. Yeah. Okay. I have the timeline that you're describing. Well, it's okay. Or do you want to go off that? I can finish it. I mean, we can revisit it later. It's fine. Yeah. We can just revisit it later. You got the general just though. Yeah. yeah I know went, this case. So they well. went to the they went to the hotel and instead of going back to her dorm, yeah. she went back to his motel to get um, for the car and everything. Well, no, I don't think I don't know. It sounds like they were may have been in her dorm because from the documentary we watched last night before everything said hotel that they were staying in a hotel. And then we watched this documentary and he's actually talking and he said they were in her dorm. I don't know if it even matters, though. Anyway, he gave her his brand new. I think is a Toyota Corolla. Yes. It was a really nice new car. Yep. And, and they didn't have a lot of money. So for him to get a nice new car is a big deal. But he gives it to her when he knows that she's drinking. With her friend. So they take it to a party. And as they're coming back, and no one knows anything about this fucking party. No one knows who's there. They've interviewed friends and they're like, we don't know who. We can't remember anyone who was there. Yeah. It's very odd. So no one knows exactly what that was about. But on their way home, she got in a drunk driving accident. And they actually didn't report it to the police because she called like a towing company or a AAA type thing. And they actually did come and help her. And gave her a ride. And I think she didn't seem very drunk. So it's not like they called police or anything. So she didn't Which actually is, get this a This is DUI. a really weird thing that we'll talk about later. Yeah. Like theory wise. Because it's very bizarre that she didn't get a DUI that night. Yeah. It is very How weird. did she get away but, from this? Be, well, she may not have seemed drunk. It, like think about it. If you're, if you're coherent enough to call uh, someone to come help you. Like what are they going to. They're not the police. It's not their job to like report you. Especially if they don't think. There's any reason to think you're drunk, but she had just come from this party. She had just gone to the liquor store and bought all this alcohol. So she was clearly drinking and driving, which makes me think she would have been comfortable enough to do that on the way to like a party weekend or wherever she was going to sip yeah, on something enough yeah. that she would have been scared of getting a DUI. Yeah. And that's why she didn't want to call AAA or anyone for that matter. She didn't want like a report for it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think she thought she kind of felt like she was on thin ice and we'll talk about this a bit more, but there was, some turmoil going on in her life and she was kind of on yeah on thin ice literally so yeah yeah lots of weird just i mean when you explore a character more and more you start you know peeling back the layers and you start seeing somebody that is willing to take risks and yes. somebody that's willing to you know maybe even break the law if they have to in order to keep themselves safe so it's yeah it and she does i mean she has a bit of a record which i'm sure she does planning to get into later she on. does yeah okay but yeah but as far as uh, the timeline so after the bus driver he continues on to his house at which he calls the police um and they receive his call the police receive his call at 7 43 p.m he was unable to see murray's car while he made the call but he did notice several cars pass on the road before the police arrived which i think is what he said was he came back he backed his 
bust into his literally his house is just like i don't even know how far like very close maybe like 100 yards or a couple hundred yards up the road and so he backed his bus in and started doing paperwork is what he said and during this time multiple cars passed but this is also the time where mora all of a sudden is just gone in minutes it seems like another local resident driving home from work claimed she passed the scene around 7:37 p.m. and saw a police SUV parked face to face with Murray's car. She pulled over briefly and did not see anyone inside or outside the cars and decided to continue home. The witness's claim contradicts the official police log which has the Haverville police arriving 9 minutes later. Haverville. And this witness is sorry, Haverhill. Haverville. <laughs> or Haverhill. Whoville. Haverhill. Um, Maybe yeah. it's Haverhill. It's Haverhill. I think it's Haver- Haverhill. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought they were saying Haverhill. Hill. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so this witness has been called Witness A. Yeah, because she didn't come forward for a really long time. Right. She didn't want to be right. in the spot. Her name's actually Karen something, but she basically claims that she saw this police, uh, basically like uh, SUV. That had zero zero one on the back of it is what she like swears she saw. She actually described just like a black and white SUV um, with the the letters on it. So she didn't know it was a police car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. So, but that's what she reported. And so, but she reported reported it to the police. And then what was weird is she says the police later on came back to her and called her back and was like, "Are you sure the car was numbered zero zero one?" Because that happened to be one of the cars that maybe the chief had been driving at the time, which he denies he did not drive it at the time. But it, it just is. It's and he a bit wasn't of a, there. A, a, he like, isn't documented to have been there. Yeah. So it was weird. It is weird. And we'll, again, talk about that more when we talk about the possible police cover up with this. They basically were able to determine what time she was there because she says that she had driven down a little further um, and waited until she got cell service. So they basically timed the call that she made when she got into cell service area to the distance that she was from the accident to determine what time she passed by originally. And it was what? It was like 10, 15 minutes before the police say they even got there. In the police log, right. So they, that's odd. Like, why is there a random, there's a police car already there? The, is the police report wrong? Is, did she? Right. I, I think, mean, she, I think she's wrong. She I think, could be confused. I think she got there maybe. But they mapped it all out and everything. I don't know. It is, it's just a little odd. Well, yeah. Cause she said she saw the police SUV at seven thirty seven, but according to the police log, they said they arrived at the accident scene at seven forty six PM. So that's, that's 11 minutes later. That's when uh, the Haverville or Haverhill police officer uh, showed up and arrived on scene. And on initial look, looking around, literally nobody was there. He didn't see any. He didn't um, see any driver, or... any footprints leading away from the the accident. He looked on both sides. Uh, he said he shined his flashlight because there was a lot of there was like a decent amount of snow. So if somebody just like your first thought would be like. Somebody was drunk. Maybe they like got out of their car and like took off into the woods because people do people that. do that all the yeah. time. I mean, they you know they want to avoid getting a DUI, so they yeah they just leave the run scene. away from the scene because you have a pretty good chance you can say I got a they concussion when yeah. I got in the accident and then I like wandered off and I woke up and I was you know in the forest. <laughs> um, so that's what kind of what they thought happened. 
but then there was no footprint, so they didn't even like think to search for anyone. That's what's they crazy she about it. Probably got picked up or something. Right. But the car had impacted the tree on the driver's side of the vehicle, severely damaging the left headlight and had pushed the car's radiator into the fan, rendering it inoperable. So it fucked up the yeah. car pretty bad. Yeah. And even the car's windshield was cracked on the driver's side and the airbags had deployed and the car was locked. That's one thing that I think is interesting yeah, too. Like she locked the car. The car got locked. Like nobody that gets in an accident per se would know to like get out of the car and lock the car. So she took her keys. I mean, maybe they maybe you would though, actually, because if you don't want somebody to steal your car, so you lock it. But yeah. So it's really not. She was coherent enough to do that. It's not like she was like blasted. I think, yeah, I mean, who knows though? She could have been a little afraid of being tipsy or I don't it's so odd. It's very weird. This whole case, I have so many questions. But the uh, the officer that arrived initially on the scene, he went into the car and discovered, or looked in the car and discovered red stains, which looked to be red wine. And inside the car, he found an empty empty beer bottle and a damaged box of frenzy wine on the rear seat. In addition, he found a AAA card issued to Mora, blank accident report forms, gloves, compact discs, makeup, diamond jewelry, two sets of MapQuest, driving directions to Vermont, Murray's favorite stuffed animal and not without peril, a book about mountain climbing in the White Mountains. Missing from the car were Mora's debit card, credit cards, and cell phone, none of which have been located or used since her disappearance. So that's interesting. That is. So, because I mean, one of the theories we get into is like, maybe she just left and ran away. But it's like, why would you leave all that important shit behind if you really did that? Like makeup, like do girls go anywhere without makeup? (laughs) No. I mean, if you were trying to run away, though, it wouldn't be that convenient to have your makeup true. with you. It's a pain in the ass <laughs> to carry, true. especially on foot. But diamond jewelry, things that would have value to you, you know, yeah. would you mm. leave that behind? Maybe. Mm. Maybe out of desperation. But police later reported some of the bottles of purchased liquor were also missing. Journalist Joe McKee, writing for Quincy, Massachusetts, Patriot Ledger, summarized this incident. He said, at a hairpin turn, she went off the road. Her car hit a tree, and at that point... A person came along who was driving a bus. It was a neighbor. He asked her if she needed help. She refused. And about 10 minutes later, police showed up at the scene and she was gone. So literally within 10 minutes from when the bus driver last sees Mora, 10 minutes later, she's vanished and no idea, just no clues to where she went. So this is where things start getting interesting. Between 8 to 8.30 p.m., a contractor returning home from Fraconia saw a young person moving quickly on foot eastbound on Route 112, about four to five miles east of where Moore's vehicle was discovered. He noted that the young person was wearing jeans, a dark coat, and a light-colored hood. He didn't report it to police immediately due to his own confusion of dates, only discovering three months later when he reviewed his work records that he had spotted a young person the same night she had disappeared. It's so hard, though, because it's like he could be wrong. But how often is, like, there just some random person walking down a like road like that like to put it into a visual form for you guys this is a windy basically mountain road through the forest tons of trees thick trees thick thick forest like you can't see anything off the immediate roadway it's very dense so it i don't know i think it would be a little strange to see somebody walking at night and it's night at this point it's pitch dark out yeah yeah it was so dark they said that you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face, is what Fred said. That's crazy. 
Just before 8 p.m., though, EMS and a fire truck arrived to clear the scene. By 8.49 p.m., the car had been towed uh, to the local garage. At about 9.30 p.m., the responding officer left. A rag believed to have been part of Murray's emergency roadside kit was first discovered stuffed into the Saturn's muffler pipe, which we have already explained yeah. was her dad telling Tell her to do that. Mm-hmm. But authorities only refer to Mora as missing at 12 p.m. the next day, almost 24 hours after she was last confirmed as seen. Which, just to note, with the tailpipe and everything, at first, before they knew it was Fred's, they started have like forming a theory that maybe someone could have possibly put that in the tailpipe and like followed her, knowing that it would eventually like put fumes in the car or something like back. Like people had all kinds of things that they were coming up with for this. Um, and then they thought that you know this person had planned that she was going to break down and they would take her. Which but, would be a clever yeah. plan, but they t- they this has yeah. been tested out and debunked. It, it, something that they had a happen. car mechanic that was like, just there's no fucking way, like you can't that there's it's not even possible. It doesn't even make sense. So yeah. um, that's been ruled out, especially now that we know that her dad told her to put it in there. And some people think it's like really sketch that he told her to put her in there, put it in there. Like, why did you tell her that? But I think he honestly, and I thought that at first, I was like, why would you tell your kid to do that? Like. Mm-hmm. My dad would never tell me to do something like that. Stick something in the tailpipe. Yeah, yeah, it's like really weird and unusual. But like I had people commenting on my video that were like car mechanics and be like, this is actually like a old method that people use. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it would be. So it's not that unusual that he told her to do it. Right. Um, no, and a lot but, of people have really, I think, overanalyzed this and, and yeah. have theorized that this was the method of abduction I think possibly it was really just a dad trying that it was to like a murder attempt or something getting crazy in trouble because we're going to talk about she was like on probation right wasn't she or she had just yes. yeah she, yes, just she was. In trouble. She was yeah she had a couple months that she had to be good or some or this uh yeah i'll go run in with the I'll law run into this yeah. for a second but so basically I'll run into this <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'll i'll explain please her explain record. to the viewers so Mara actually started out college at West Point, uh, so a military academy, very, very strict and hard to get into. Like it's, it's, you know, no bullshit around there. So uh, it's yeah, kind of confusing about academy. what exactly she did, but she stole something from like their campus General convenience store. store. Yeah, yeah. I think it was makeup, but I've never seen that confirmed. So that was the first thing, and she was actually kicked out of school, and that's how she ended up at. Well, they Amherst, also said she right? stole from like Fort Knox too. Remember? Yeah. Oh, right. Really? Yeah, they think she also uh, stole from Fort Knox. There's oh, I didn't there's proof of that. that too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. So she definitely would like steal things, and even when it yeah. wasn't necessary, which is interesting too. So then, more recently, like right before she went missing, she had an issue with using stolen credit cards to like purchase like food, and she was buying a lot of food too. They noted that like she was buying like two of everything so a lot of people are like was she buying it for someone else or all of it for her yeah, like what was yeah. she doing but um the judge basically because she was just buying food like gave her a slap on the wrist some probation you better keep your shit together you yeah know? like if you keep so your shit together then we'll with. take it off your record so like I think but that's her enough to get, to get like, kicked out yeah like if 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 I was on probation my dad would probably try to do everything he can to make sure I don't get pulled over because you don't want anything you don't yeah. even want to have to deal with the police at right. all. So no, that's no, no, why he no. told her to put it in, in there. With them. No. Because it's like, we don't we don't want you to get pulled over for smoke coming out of the back of your car. So it makes complete sense. It does. It really does. 
Yeah. No, you. I think that's right. Yeah. So she. And that also is probably why she felt so uncomfortable at the scene to call police or to call anyone. Because yeah. She was, she was like, like I'm oh, on probation. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be I'm, so screwed. I could possibly go to jail. Like, and let's not is... forget, she just crashed her dad's car. So she's feeling really guilty and like, oh, I'm the fuck up. I bet she really felt like I'm the fuck up. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Especially when she had sisters who were. She's just also like, I just academy. fucked up so bad in the past like couple days. Yeah. And like, you know, everybody's pissed at me right now. So and now I've ruined the car, you know, maybe she was just like, I need to get away. Just go take a take some time off. Go drive, you know, get out of town. Kind of like disconnect caused her to crash. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, I mean, here's the thing. So like one of the things they found, too, is like sleeping pills. And they did find a box that was empty, which I don't know if that means all the sleeping pills are gone from that box or what. But. It's interesting that she, in the car with her, yeah. with the alcohol, was sleeping pills. Five packs of sleeping a pills. A lot of too. them, five too, boxes. Which, who needs five boxes that's like, a for lot. A, sh- a weekend or like a short amount of time? Like nobody. Yeah, that's kind of concerning. It's very weird. Yeah, it's very weird. So yeah, lots of lots of very just weirdness about this. So all right, let's get into um, the day after that Mora disappears. So right now, we're just going to go through the timeline quickly so you guys can understand, you know, play by play what happened because you got to have the basic knowledge to get to the the deeper level of this for sure. So at 12.36 p.m. the following day, February 10th, a be on the lookout report for Mora was issued. She was reported as wearing a dark coat, jeans, and a black backpack. A voicemail was left on Fred Murray's, her, which is her father, home answering machine at 3.20 p.m., stating that her car had been found abandoned. It was working out of state and did not receive the call. At 5 p.m., Murray's older sister contacted her father to tell him of the situation and that Mora was missing. Fred then contacted the Haverhill Police Department and was told that if Mora was not reported safe by the following morning, the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department would start a search, which is very crazy that in some states the Fish and game department is also the, where the search and rescue is out of, too. It's not even But it kind of makes sense because it it's does like make dudes sense. who really know the truth. The outdoors and stuff, yeah. Yeah, outdoorsy people. Tracking people, animals, things yeah, like that. Yeah, so it's like you it gotta have an sense. expert for that type of terrain, you know? No, it does make sense. At 5.17 p.m., Murray was first referred to as missing by the Haverhill Police. On February 11th, Murray's father arrived before Don and Haverhill at 8 a.m. New Hampshire Fish and Game. The Murrays and others began to search for Mora. A police dog tracked the scent from one of Murray's gloves 100 yards east from where the vehicle had been discovered but lost the scent. This suggested to police that she'd left the area in the car. And this is really interesting that they're, like dogs are incredible. And if you have never seen like a cadaver dog or a tracker dog in, in like doing their job, it's really cool to watch yeah. them go to work. It's amazing. Because they are good very they are. good. If yeah. there is human, they will find the human. Yeah, it's it's honestly amazing how... I mean, what they can send, like their parts per billion for senses, like... Yeah, it's insane. one part per billion or something like... Like, so much better than ours. It's oh, crazy. It's, puts ours to shame. And they were explaining it. It was so interesting. They're like, basically, it's like, scent is like a smoke. So if there's a body... It's like kind of like leaving a scent, they can like, like a smoke yeah. going off, and then that's going to drift in the air, and they can smell it, trace it back. It's amazing. It, it is amazing. How do they even teach them to fucking do this? That's what I don't understand. It's so cool. I don't know. I really don't know. I think a lot of it's just like they like some people know how to like turn on this natural instinct that they have, and 
focus it, I guess. I mean, it's really crazy that they can like navigate the air and like identify individual smells and, you know, put them apart from other things. Like I feel like I smell most things like all together. Like, yeah. it's not like I can pinpoint different no, smells. No, or find a specific thing. Yeah. No or way. F- no, or definitely not find Like, what if someone gave you, like, my perfume and was like, go find Kendall No, absolutely. Like, yeah, she's not here. <laughs> oh, that way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool what the dogs can do. And then what's even what's interesting, too, is the water makes the scent even stronger. Like, the snow. Water right. makes scent stronger for dogs. They can, like, find people in rain and snow better than they can in regular right. weather. Weather. So there, so if Mora was in the immediate area of her car accident, like if she had wandered into the woods and then, you know, maybe just died because of natural conditions, they would have found her is basically, I think the conclusion to this, like there's a very, very good chance it would have located her body or her remains or whatever it is, if it was there, but it wasn't. And it stopped at the end of this road. And for personally, it's interesting to me that it stopped almost right in front of Mr. Atwood's house, the bus driver. Yeah. Which this suggests that a car, the the big theory about this is that Mara went a hundred yards east on the road, then got into a car because the scent is just gone. It just disintegrated. It's gone. Someone picked her up at the end of the road. Somebody picked her up at the end of the road. But what's interesting is that this was only 10 minutes after um, she she had contact with Atwood. Yeah. With Butch and don't you think Butch would have noticed somebody getting into a car a hundred yards east if that's really you know if she really did? Well, because he up said there? he was just sitting in his. He was bus just sitting in the bus, stuff. like in his driveway. Yeah. He didn't see anything or know anything or. Well, I mean, we don't know for sure that there was even a car that picked her up. Well, we don't know that. Yeah. So what's so weird is they've never made Butch like a suspect. Yeah, that's my first thought was that he's got to be yeah, a suspect i thought so too he's the first one who was the last one to see her alive yeah he was literally 100 yards up the road and after this dog search you think we'd put pieces together like yeah. what if like he took her into her house yeah, or like, something hey call 911 from my house maybe she did say house. yes yeah. and then he he ended up taking her in putting her in a room did they ever search his house or anything no they didn't even i don't even think they really interviewed him or like really well, made died sure. so they probably would have but he died years later yeah so unless he killed her which is possible now but we just why is it never that they know. don't think i can't remember i feel like there's i a looked reason i couldn't why. really find a specific reason why they didn't think he was if i remember than, right the only reason people really have is like his health wasn't that great he had like a heart problem yeah i mean he was a really big dude so it'd be like yeah. it'd be kind of hard for him to adopt abduct Abducts. somebody Oh, that's but it's, so weird. I don't know. I, but wouldn't I think the neighbors have seen that too? Like, and then we saw her walk yeah. down the street with yeah. Butch. Yeah, because there's neighbors across. The, yeah, that's the thing is if neighbors were still watching, what they may not have been watching. They their eyes may have still been on the scene if Mora had walked up the road away from the car. You know, right? But you would have thought maybe someone would have saw her, but no yeah. one did. And people saw Butch stop, talk to her, and then go back to his house. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the whole the whole butch situation I would have at is least, very cloudy. Like, if I was the police, I'd, I would have at least interviewed him. Maybe even like searched his, yeah. his stuff, his yeah. bus even, or take the dogs onto the bus. Take the dogs what if he, the house, the bus. When he initially contacted her, he just snatched her right there. But the thing is, is it stops on the road. The scent stops yeah, on the road. That's true. And those dogs, if she had walked up to his house, they would have tracked her right up to the house. We right. saw it in the documentary. It's amazing, these dogs. I mean, they don't just like make mistakes. I mean, maybe, but... 
to just stop right there. And then it, it was looking around like confused. I don't know. It's very interesting. It is. But at 5 p.m., Moore's boyfriend and his parents arrived in Haverhill. He was interrogated yeah. in private and then was joined by his parents for questioning. At 7 p.m., the police said they believed Mora came to the area to either run away or commit suicide. And Mora's family believed this was unlikely. Mora's boyfriend had turned off his cell phone during his flight to Haverhill. At some point, he received a voicemail that he believed was the sound of Mora crying. The call was traced to a calling oh, card yeah. issued to the American Red Cross. I totally forgot That's about that. That's very weird, yeah. They didn't talk about her boyfriend no. at all in the documentary. So the weird thing about Bill is he just basically like fucking disappeared when she did. Like he wanted nothing, no involvement in this. And and maybe it's because, I mean, their relation. it sounds like they're having a lot of relationship trouble. She may have been cheating on him. He may have been cheating on her. And we'll get more into that maybe. But no, it's it's absolutely true, though. So it's very weird. So, yeah, he just kind of like poofed away though he's not involved in it and they Definitely didn't talk removed about himself from, from anything the light like for that. sure yeah weird yeah i mean there's just a lot of questions and but he was so far and... away he couldn't have no i mean involved. he he was out of he wasn't even in yeah. the same state yeah so so like you you know you would most of the times in cases like this you go to that boyfriend or husband or whatever right. and look at them as a possible person interest but mm -hmm. here they seem to rule him out i think pretty early on yeah because on february 12th morris father and her boyfriend held an evening press conference in bethlehem new hampshire and the next day the first press coverage was published at 305 p.m the police reported murray might be headed to concamagus highway area and she was listed as endangered and possibly suicidal the police report also stated Moore was intoxicated at the crash site although the bus driver had said she did not appear impaired the Haverhill police chief said that our concern is that she's upset or suicidal, which I think is possible. A week after her disappearance, her father, sorry, her father and boyfriend were interviewed by CNN's American Morning. Murray's family expanded their search into Vermont, angry that authorities there had not been informed of her disappearance. Although missing persons cases are normally handled by local and state police, the FBI joined the investigation 10 days after she disappeared. The FBI actually interviewed the family from Massachusetts and the Haverhill police chief announced that the search was now nationwide. 10 days after her disappearance, New Hampshire Fish and Game conducted a second ground and air search using a helicopter with a thermal imaging camera and tracking dogs and cadaver dogs. So it does seem like they did search extensively, which I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still not sure why because fred was like pretty upset with the police and he didn't think yeah. they were doing enough mm. or searching in the right place which his whole thing is like it's been a day and a half before things really got going like why did it take so long yeah you know you we should have been searching that night that she went gone like why'd we wait so long yeah i think was his biggest thing and i think they fucked up with that yeah because like even though she could have like ran off or gotten picked up you don't know that she did mm -hmm. i think in that situation in the dark at night it's like really why wouldn't you at least just like bring out some dogs and look no i know it's it's honestly yeah you would think that they would have just you know somebody on call in the event they needed to bring dogs, dogs there yeah i know because they could track her way easier i'm sure so all right 
getting into the end of February, the police returned the items found in Murray's car to her family, and on March 2nd, the family checked out of their motel, exhausted from the search. Fred Murray returned nearly every weekend to continue searching. In April, Haverhill police informed him of complaints of trespassing on private property. For the March 2004 disappearance of Brianna Maitland in Montgomery, Vermont, 66 miles away from Murray's last sighting in Woodsville, drew comparisons mm-hmm. from media and law enforcement due to the similarities in the disappearances, which is she also disappeared from her car after a car accident, mm-hmm. which is very bizarre. And I don't know, it definitely raises some questions for me, I think. I mean, and at least considering there's a connection because it is very similar. But the police have stated that there are no links between the two cases as of right now. In April and again in June, New Hampshire and Vermont police missed any connection between Mora's case and Maitland's. In a press release, they stated they believe Mora was headed for an unknown destination and may have accepted a ride in order to continue to that location, adding that they had discovered no evidence that a crime had been committed. They dismissed the possibility of a serial killer being involved in her disappearance. On July 1st, police interviewed or retrieved items found in Murray's vehicle from her family for forensic analysis, which is very weird that when police go back later and do forensic analysis on items from a crime, like, I don't understand why these items aren't being collected at this at the scene of the crime and sent straight to the lab. Isn't that weird? That is really weird. Don't you think that's weird? On July 13th, a one-mile radius search was performed by nearly 100 searchers, including state troopers, rescue personnel, and volunteers. It was the fourth search around the crash area and the first search performed without snow on the ground. Authorities were most interested in locating the black backpack Murray had had in her possession but not found in her car. Police stated the search discovered nothing conclusive. So they're out searching a very, very large area around the accident site, and they literally didn't find anything that could be linked back to Mora. Nothing whatsoever. In late 2004, a man allegedly gave Mora's father a rusty stained knife that belonged to a man's brother who had a criminal past and lived less than a mile from the car where Mora's car was discovered. His brother and his brother's girlfriend were said to have acted strangely after the disappearance. Yeah. And the man's brother claimed he believed the knife had been used to kill Mora. Possible. I mean, when you're turning in your own brother, yeah, it sounds I mean, like, like you why really pretty... think it happened. Seriously. I think this is so bizarre. And I never knew this part of it, actually. It's very bizarre. It's, yeah. So And it's so weird that they gave it to her dad and not the yeah. police. Yeah, why bring him blood, like... Because, you know, then he tries to give it to the police. Like, yo, look, th- these people just gave me this bloody knife. Could be Mara's blood on there. And we don't, I don't even think we know. They wouldn't take it. Yeah, that's they right. They wouldn't take it. That's they wouldn't right. accept they refused it, it. And they wouldn't even check for DNA or anything. Because, because they couldn't, yeah. uh, the chain of custody thing with they evidence. They couldn't verify. And stuff. It. Right. Yeah. So, because they, they're saying that it could just be completely faked or like something that's else why completely. They called. But like, why wouldn't you check? Run a DNA test. Seriously, why wouldn't you just, God, yeah. they could have this thing solved if that was, if it really Maybe was it her was. blood. Maybe God, it was. God, that pisses me off. It, it, it's just mind boggling. So several days after the knife was given to Fred, Mora's father, the man's brother allegedly scraped his Volvo. Family members of the man who turned in the knife claimed he had made up the story in order to obtain reward money in the investigation, that he had had also a history of drug use. But you can't get reward money unless it actually leads to the finding and solving of the case. Yeah, yeah. So. 
So seems it, like kind of a risky thing to like turn your brother in for murder just to like make some with money. no guarantee yeah. of money and probably not even that much. Yeah. And where would you get a bloody knife from? Oh, that's really weird. Well, I mean, you would assume that somebody would test the blood and DNA to see whose it is. Like you couldn't just like fake that. Know. You know, why, why would you fake they test that? that? That's so crazy. Yeah. The police won't test a blood stained knife, even if yeah. like why wouldn't you test to make sure At it's not a like human blood? I know. So stupid. It's very weird how some of the, the laws are I know. It's so dumb. The way they act. But in two thousand five, Fred Murray petitioned New Hampshire Governor Craig Benson for help in the search and appeared on the Montel Williams show in November 2004 to publicize the case. And at the one year anniversary, February 9, 2005 of Moore's disappearance, a service was held where the car was found and her father met briefly with the newly elected New Hampshire governor, John Lynch. He also, uh, Moore's father also filed suit against several law enforcement agencies with the aim of seeing the files on the case, which that's also very curious about this is, the police have been very hush about what information yeah. they have, what they know about the case, even to this day. It's pretty wild. And they claim that it's because they, you know. They don't want the suspects to know they're suspects is what they said. Yeah. Which I get, but you brought up a great point yesterday to me that, you know, why, you know, you don't have to reveal who the suspects are. Just say we have suspects, you know. Yeah. Well, at least just give them that. something yeah normally in cases they'll be like well we have a few things but like not you know yeah at least it's not like you have to give every bit of information like obviously there's some stuff you don't want compromised but it, it just like they're so tight-lipped about it and they act so weird about it like how yeah. in the documentary they had to like have certain people there and it was like this big arranged thing and they never want to participate I just feel like our police should have to participate in our media or there should be someone from the department that's required to be a media spokesperson because yeah. it's really annoying that they can just turn it down. If they don't want to talk to the media, they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Like even like my friend Sarah Turney that you guys met, you know, Alyssa's yeah. Turney's sister. Yeah. Recently, she contacted the police department um, because there was a media event that she was invited to with him and they didn't want to go. They were like, no, we don't want to be involved in anything anymore. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah, like, it's it's why? interesting that in this day and age that they can do that. Still. I feel like they should have to. Like, you work for us. We pay your your Right, we, but would they be able to do everybody's, that? though? That's the thing. I think it's like a logistics thing. But if there's like a but major should be a spokesperson. news yeah. thing that's like a huge Absolutely. news organization coming to you. Hey, we want to interview for a big documentary. They should have to do it. Absolutely. And local stuff, too. They should have to do, like, regular press conferences. You know, the public should be able to be informed as yeah, much as possible. That's their job, protect and serve the public. So right. why not provide the public with, right? keep them clear? I mean, and also another thing that I just thought of is, like, don't you think police want to be sharing information about suspects, like finding people? Yes. That's what's so weird, too, is, like, in other cases, police actually do divulge a lot of information about who they're looking for or someone that may be a person of interest. So this is very bizarre that... They are so fucking quiet about yeah. what happened here and what the reports say, what the what, what files they have. It's weird. It's Why? very weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. And unless they're like in the middle of putting together a huge serial killer case and they're like, they don't want it. to. I don't know, though. It seems like a stretch. It does seem like a stretch. So on one of the things that's kind of big about this case is that there's a lot of online you know, people that are talking about this that, 
you know, suggested things and not even necessarily true things. But this is interesting. On November 1st, 2005, a user named Tom Davies logged into a message board called Not Without Peril, which was dedicated to discussion of Moore's disappearance and claimed to have seen a black backpack behind a restroom at the the Pemigo, <laughs> the Pemigi Wasset Overlook. God, Maggie? these New England names, dude. They're dude, like right? crazy. <laughs> Around 30 miles from Woodsville. It's because like, you know, the it's British came it, and settled yeah. over there. So because all the British names are fucking crazy, too. But it, I think, isn't it like, it might even be like Native American, it seems like. Oh, Some yeah, of these words totally like Pemigi Wasset. Like, yeah, I don't know. Pemigi Wasset. Yeah, it seems know. like a Native American thing. But anyway. Yeah, they just have weird road names. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like old. All the roads I lived on in Massachusetts were weird names. I can't remember any of them, but my parents would tell me. Yeah, no, it's it's a totally different world over there. <laughs> totally different world. <laughs> You're on different a different words. planet over there. <laughs> but anyway, Mora had owned a black backpack, as we mentioned. Senior Assistant Attorney General Jeffrey Strelzen stated that law enforcement was aware of the backpack, but did not disclose whether it had been taken for forensic testing. That's so weird. It's like anytime there's a tip... Anytime people said there could be, they found possible evidence that they wanted them to look at something, the police would be like, okay, we'll do it. But then as soon as they do, they never follow up with the public or anybody for that matter, even Fred. Who even knows if they they actually followed up? Yeah. That's so frustrating as a family. mm -hmm. I'd be, and like, you'd think that if something happened to you, that you would get the best possible service that they would, you know, do every, and it's like, you hear about what people go through and it's just terrible. They know, like, you should be able to access all that kind of stuff. It's your daughter. Seriously. Like, what? So, they so should. Weird. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason you wouldn't tell, especially the father. Because that's the thing. It's not like they're they're making them, they want them to release important information to the public. Fred just wants to know because it's hurt his daughter. Right. So to not tell him, like, maybe they could make him sign something that says I won't. And sign why an NDA would he or tell yeah. anyone if right. it's part of the investigation right. of his daughter? If it's going to help him find his daughter, he kept, he has re-say that over and over again. I just want to find my daughter yeah. and find out what where she is, what happened. And Unless yeah, he's like a suspect. Nothing. Yeah. Or he's part well, of that, it. Well, that's the thing is I think there could be things though. that, yeah, I think that, but there could be things that they know about him would anger Fred or could potentially spoil their case if they tell, but it's like, then just don't tell them that. Right. Tell them other stuff then. Right. But to just completely close them off and tell them it's nothing. Like so unfair. Yeah. So going into the years after her disappearance, 2006, 2010, um, and then October 2006, volunteers. <laughs> Led a two-day search <laughs> within a few miles of where Murray's car was found. In the closet of an A-frame house approximately one mile from the crash site, cadaver dogs allegedly went crazy, possibly identifying the presence of human remains. This was very interesting. The house had formerly been the residence of, of the man implicated by his brother who had given Fred Murray the rusty knife in 2004. Yeah, it's that A-frame house, right? Yep, yep. A sample of the carpet from the home was sent to the New Hampshire State Police, but the results were never released to the public either. So it seems like the main thing with that is that it was like a public rumor that these two brothers could have been involved in it. Are they the same as the Ski Brothers or is that just like completely different? Are we going to talk about that? The Ski Resort? I th- I'm confused about that as well. I don't, but I don't think anybody's guys. clear, but I think it's the same people. Okay. So like word around the town, the area was that she could have been murdered in this A-frame house. Yes. So who was it it was like the murray's 
private investigator that actually went there, asked the people just, hey, can we check? Like when someone was still living yeah, there. Yeah, and it was the Murray, they were moving uh, out Warren or Murray podcast that went, I think, yeah, with them with too. Him. And they went to the A-frame house. Did they? I don't yeah. know if they were there. Yeah, they remember. were there. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah, they all went there and they found these like wood chips with blood on them. Like yeah. tiny bit that they thought was blood and they But it, it was confirmed blood. Yeah. Like they did get the results back in these wood chips in this closet, which is kind of weird, had human blood on it. And of a man and a woman, but they couldn't. A man and I think an unknown yeah. profile. I don't think they know if it's male or female. So what, the evidence, it just wasn't enough DNA to be sure or like yeah. they won't release her DNA. What was it that they can't it was like a partial profile? I think so I don't think it was like they couldn't match it to anything So <sighs> I think like now it's like get her uh, Mora's DNA profile Look at them side by side and see if yeah. numbers match up and if there's didn't? any correlation I I don't think there's been anybody that's remember. released that information yet I don't mm. think it's been really I, I didn't see anything when you mm. know looking for it That we know whether or not for sure if that blood is more because I mean obviously that'll be telling as to what happened to her, yeah. you know, if she got brought to this cabin. This yeah. And so that's the same brothers that had the knife in the glove box. Yes. So like, God, kind of seems like she could have been just walking. She could have. But here's here's one thing. She could have decided that, oh, shit, maybe I should call AAA and was walking up to, to get service. Bush Atwood's house oh. to use his phone because he had offered to, you know, hey, come to my house, make call for help and maybe she thought you know she was just gonna try to figure out or you know you never know maybe, maybe she, she thought wanna, she could walk to service she didn't want to deal with it or try on her own first but maybe she walked up there and then you know somebody drove by and literally just snatched her like literally or she was just standing by her or car told her they still. Would, yeah or they told her that we like help hey you. you need a ride you need help yeah so it's kind of confusing because they kept talking about these two brothers. They don't say who these people are. They I also read a kept thing talking about two brothers that were ski that worked at the local ski resort. That was the and rumor they were weird town. because they didn't show up at work that night. She, that night, yeah. So she was disappeared. Yeah, but nobody's been able to confirm. And they would it. have been driving on their that way to way, work past, them, past yeah. that. Yep, where she was. Yep. So that's interesting. Yep. But it, I don't even know if it's the same two brothers or is it that's two completely thing. separate rumors? I that's don't even the thing. know. I think it's separate rumors because there's also other rumors that it was a red pickup truck that was linked to uh, these brothers named the Glenn brothers that worked at the ski resort and stuff. So I think there might be like two sets of, I don't know, there might be two sets of brothers. It's very, very confusing and yeah, and honestly might just be like grasping at straws a little bit, but well, it's hard because it's very we, hard. we have a lack of information and we have things right. that the are unanswered police aren't from divulging the, police. the facts. Like, so, obviously, yeah. they know some shit and they're mm -hmm. not. They're just what are they doing? So it's Sitting hard to on this information. Like, what's rumor and why? Like, I would love to have someone from the area on the podcast right now to talk about it. I know. Like, why do you guys think that? I know. So weird. But they did a lot of searches for Mora. And uh, they did volunteers did a two day search in July of 2008 through wooded areas in Haverhill. And they also had dog teams and private investigators. And uh, actually, Morris case was one of the many uh, cited proponents of a statewide cold case unit for New Hampshire in 2009, which there wasn't. a. There should definitely be a cold case unit everywhere. Like there should yeah, be what? people dedicated to these cases that last years and years. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? Yeah, I, I'm surprised they didn't have there that wasn't before. anything in place in there before 2009 That's in New Hampshire really disappointing. Yeah, it's crazy And yeah, I mean Fred 
from day one pretty much criticized the police because the police were like, first of all, it's not illegal as an adult to go missing. It's not illegal to just, you know, run away, disappear and live another life and just not tell anybody. That's not a crime. Mm -hmm. So he felt like there was enough evidence initially that it should have been looked at as a crime. Though he was like, there's no way she would have done this. Here's why here's, you know, sort of the evidence for that. She's not just a missing person. Like Fred really thought foul play was involved with this. Mm -hmm. Then there was a lot of just weird stuff on the internet as well. Um, There was a YouTube user in 2012 named Mr. 112 Dirtbag, who posted a series of online videos. God, have you seen them? No, they're gone now. They're gone. Yeah. I put them in my video. I put it in my video. Oh, you did? Yeah. Maybe they're still in your video then. Well, obviously they but are. The original, but the original videos were... I've seen them, dude. They're so fucking scary. It's basically this guy in the dark on his yeah, computer. And it's like right. this weird music playing. And he's just like... And then he just starts cackling like the creepiest laugh you have ever heard, dude. And then it has what? Like a map of a ski of like where she could be. He had like... He like drew on a map or something. I don't even remember. But he's like fucking crazy. Yeah, but like a lot of people think he was just well, that's the thing. Well, he like, posted the video on the sorry on the anniversary when she went missing. Yes. That's why people connected it to her and the area that she was in that. He, and then the fact that he's just laughing like a scary fuck. So it obviously looks weird. But like there are in every case, there's these weird people that like want to somehow be involved or are so interested in it or like to fuck with the police. They're like trolls of crime. Um. So, you, yeah. I don't think anyone took him seriously. I know the family didn't. No, no. Cause I mean, Fred was very convinced that she was abducted and then ultimately murdered by somebody. And in 2014, which is the 10th anniversary of Moore's disappearance, he, he kind of finally, I think, I don't know if he finally came to the conclusion at that point, but he kind of let everybody know that he thought that she was abducted and then uh, murdered that night. But let's let's go back a little bit. We've already talked a little bit about Mora and her history, um, because I think it's important to understand the family a little bit. And, you know, you got to understand, you know, where she came from, what she was raised with her mom. So we t- we've been talking a lot about her dad because her mom actually passed away um, from cancer. But let's see. Yeah, so. Her mom passed away from cancer, yeah. and so she was left with her dad. And but she, her mom was still alive when she was she, when she, she went, went missing. missing. Yeah, that's true. She that's was true. like dying though. Yeah, yeah. So so that's why a lot of people were like, would she have just left her mom if she was like dying of cancer? Like you'd want to be with your mom. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe well, she didn't want to see it all play out. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But the the thing I wanted to mention was that the. You know, she her childhood was like great. She had a great family. Her dad pushed her really hard. But there's been a lot of speculation that her dad, you know, might not be telling everything, you know, telling all the information he has. And some have even implicated him as possibly somebody responsible in her disappearance because he was very like held them to high standards, you know, did get upset with them. But honestly, it wasn't anything beyond, I think, what a normal parent would do Mm -hmm. as far as we know. But yeah. some people have even like made crazy claims like sexual abuse, all this crazy shit. Yeah, they've that, like taken it and ran with it, no pun intended, just because he was like making them run for track a lot. Like, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he was serious about their sports, but like there's no proof that he was abusive to them in any way. They even asked him in the documentary 
did you sexually assault your daughter? And he almost fell out of his fucking chair. He's like, are you seriously asking me this? So, I mean, at first I questioned him a bit, but after seeing more of him and, and knowing more, I just don't think he was involved. Yeah, it, it really doesn't seem it doesn't seem like he was responsible for her going or that she was or that he possibly knew running away from him because that, that's really what they're saying is right. that she may have been running away from either her boyfriend or from her dad mm -hmm. if she ran away. Mm -hmm. Do you want to um, do you want to go in more detail about the day before the on like Saturday the seventh about the car accident? Yes, and stuff because I think that. that's important. This is very major. Very interesting. Totally. So prior to her disappearance on February 7th, Saturday, um, Morris' father, Fred, arrived in Hamhurst. He told investigators he and Murray went car shopping that afternoon and later went to dinner with a friend of his, of his daughter. Mora dropped her father off at his motel room and borrowed his Toyota Corolla and returned to campus to attend a dorm party. She arrived at 10.30 p.m. and at 2.30 a.m. on Sunday, February 8th, she left the party. At 3.30 a.m. en route to her father's motel, she struck oh, so a guardrail on Route 9 in Hadley, causing nearly $10,000 worth of damage to her father's car, which that's a pretty bad. That's, yeah, you know, basically wrecked almost. Yeah. It's so weird. I have no idea why so many, like in the movie yesterday, he said in the dorm. I don't know. I don't know. I think some things are changing so a much. bit or, yeah he you know, changed the story a few i think times, i, I think like. the stories are getting changed a little bit to be honest okay so like was he mad at her for this i mean who knows how he was we don't know he if said he, like, he was he said he was yeah. very upset with her but he said he didn't yell at her he just he was like he i didn't have to yell for her to know i was upset mm -hmm. right um but so what's it, crazy is that the officer who who went to that accident scene and filed the report um, there was no documentation of sobriety field tests being conducted. And then Mara, uh, Mara was just driven to her father's motel and she stayed in his room the rest of that morning. So UMass PD helped her? I, I yes. didn't know that. Yes. Interesting. Which is part of the whole like police conspiracy Why? here. Yeah. yeah. Why did they like not? Maybe she was able to convince them she wasn't drinking or she just seemed normal. Yeah. That's... I don't know. That's really bizarre. That is really weird. But later Sunday morning, Fred learned the damage to his vehicle would be covered by his auto insurance. He then rented a car and dropped Mora off at the college and departed for Connecticut. At 11.30 that night, Fred called his daughter to remind her to obtain accident forms from the Registry of Motor Vehicles. They agreed to talk again Monday night to discuss the forms and fill out the insurance claim via the phone, which that explains the random accident forms in her car you know, that she left in there after she uh, disappeared. So there's a lot, there's another interesting thing which Kendall alluded to that I think we need to sort of provide some more details around because she may have, uh, Mora may have been involved in a hit and run accident as well. And the reason why people think this and speculate that Mora may have hit a person named Patrice uh, Vasai. It fits perfectly into the narrative and explains a lot of kooky things done by the major players in this case, such as Moore's breakdown at work, Fred swooping into town the morning of, of one of the worst snowstorms in recent years, and Mora driving to Fred's motel to stay the night would seem to suggest that she was avoiding her dorm, which was evading arrest, essentially. 
So this theory is um, explaining this, but this has some personal infusions in it because I found it on Reddit, which a lot yeah. of these theories on Reddit and are coming from mine. random people. But the theory but is they is, talked about that in the podcast. They too. did. The they guys did, did. Um, about they did. how. And so who was the who was the accident? What was his name again? That's the thing is like, I don't think we know exactly who yeah, was there in the was accident. a guy. Yeah. Somebody did get hit in a run, but nobody yeah. knows who it was. It no was as if somebody him. like literally covered up for Mora if she had been the one that hit hit and run this or guy. she just or she just yeah. hit and run and just they don't know who it is. I think that's what it is. So then she went back to work because she was like at the same time that this accident happened. She could have been on a coffee break of what a lot of people think, but there's no way to prove that she had even yeah. left the dorm. Well, that's so the this thing is, is such this a is, stretch. This is very stretch. This is a theory. We have no idea that she, this may be completely unrelated to her. But it would kind of make sense. Have we well, mentioned the saying. phone call with her sister yet? No. I'm sorry. It's hard for me that's to remember fine. what no, has no, been said ahead. already. But she had this phone call with her sister at work and she got off the phone and was like really fucking upset. Like really crying everything and then when yes. someone asked her what was wrong she just said my sister right and her sister claims she has no idea what they were talking about which i, I think is really yeah, weird i don't know if i believe that if my sister went missing i would remember the last conversation i had with her or the last call especially because the day before. you'd absolutely think and it was something serious that. like a crying and stuff something's weird about i mean she's i feel like she's not telling everything mm -hmm. but um yeah so maybe she had called her and said oh my god i just hit someone and maybe she was giving her like, oh, my God, you're the fuck up of the family. Like, get it together. Yeah. You crashed dad's car. You did this. You're on probation. And then, you know, maybe she just like really made her feel horrible about it. If for some reason that was her. I mean, there's really no proof to connect it. But it's interesting that it happened somewhat at the same All time. All within this time. Yeah. And when you hear this theory about the police covering up things and the uh, the college police and stuff. This was a theory that I found that kind of explains this whole thing. So here, here it is. Let's just, let's just go over it. So is it possible that Maura Murray was in more trouble than anyone knew about? And when I say anyone, I mean, even her family was not included into this information because it was never brought to the light of day by law enforcement and for a very good reason. The security shift Maura was working on, on um, just before the accident uh, ended at midnight and she was done her uh, she was done with her shift during the time that she that Vossi was hit I think that's how you say the name yeah it's almost the exact same time that Moore was on the phone oh, with no. Billy Rossich Rossich is that how you say his name his last I don't name know. did the Saturn actually hit uh, Vasai while Moore and Billy were on the phone together this could explain the frantic calls from Billy starting on Sunday the 8th continuing through the 11th was Billy trying to cover for Mora in some way or did he end it all because of this incident and told her this yeah. on the phone that that could honestly be legit like maybe yeah. that's why he doesn't talk because he's like he knows the truth about some of these things or this accident or something yeah that's what he's I'm saying he's it's like weird. I just don't even want to because he knows that it's gonna like wrap like bring all the shit yeah. to light and craziness with him yeah and she could have been like um oh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Um <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'll think about okay. it in a second, I'm sure. Just say HM and move on. It seems so it seems like Maura Murray would have left work around midnight that night and then talked to Billy in Oklahoma between twelve oh seven AM and twelve fourteen AM. So Billy's her boyfriend. <laughs> 
But then there's this Corolla accident on early Sunday morning and the $10,000 in damage. Maura had been drinking earlier in the evening, and when Fred left her, she was going to a party, supposedly at a dorm room of Sarah, of her friend Sarah Alfieri, although this has never actually been confirmed by anyone. Why was Maura not arrested and booked for DOI over this accident? Who besides the UMass PD was there, and who had the power to let her go without arrest? Of course, th- that is if she was indeed drunk or illegally under the influence. And the officer that is involved, uh, we believe, is... Officer Skinner of the UMass PD, and he's he's knows more than he's said about this stuff. Did they give her like a get out of free jail or get out of jail free card mm-hmm. because she worked for like the UMass security? Like maybe they like kind of like let it slide or like kind of like helped her out because it's she like, worked. Why? Which honestly, I'm like I don't believe it because yeah. I, I I know that world and they would not just like be like cool, let it slide kind of thing. So. Right, basically, jump yeah. Into theories? Yeah, basically to wrap this up, there they we think that the police, the UMass police, uh the state police as well as the local authorities all have this information of maybe a cover up that they did in order to protect Mora possibly or even possibly to aid in her disappearance. So we don't know for sure, obviously. All right. Theories about her disappearance. Witness A we talked about already. Yeah, we talked about when it's hey. This so this is Mora basically ran away and started a new life. This is this theory. Honestly, I thought this for so long. And I feel like after I watched the documentary, I started leaning a little towards murder. But like I I really thought at first maybe she was running away from something. It's well, very I mean, because of the way that it happened. Like maybe she wasn't ever planning to come back. Yeah. No, I mean, this the way that it's explained is that you know, because she's an independent adult, she has the ability to do this not only, mm-hmm. but many believe that Mora actually is living a satisfying life in the province of Quebec in Canada, that she actually went north across the border that night into Canada. And this kind of thing happens. Like there there was a case really recently I was telling Josh about about this girl who had been missing for like I want to say like 20, 30 years. And her family finally got notified by the police station that said, hey, we just want to let you know your daughter came to us. She's alive. She just doesn't want any contact with you. Yeah. But she wanted you to know she's alive. Right. Which is totally true. I mean, he was very hard. He was critical. You know, like she might have just felt like such a fuck up and like I need to like remove all this from my family and I need to just get away from it. Try to outrun outrun my problems, basically and go to Canada and start a new life and just not tell anybody about it. And there's also a lot of speculation that she could have been pregnant because she was searching on the yes. internet for what happens when you drink during pregnancy. Yes. So that's very interesting. She also had birth control pills that only had four taken out and then the rest of it was there. But a lot of people are like, well, why would she have birth control pills with her if she's pregnant? Well, and if why anything, would you try it could to show that she, was, she stopped taking them if they only had four days taken and then she stopped because you stop birth control, obviously. It's true. Or maybe she just wasn't consistent with it. Like, yeah. I mean, it's easy to get pregnant on birth control. Like, yeah, if you no, don't take it at the like same time, you miss thing. it. Right. Exactly. Maybe she just felt like, and especially if it was with someone else. You know, there's there's a lot of rumors that she had an affair with the track coach, a track coach, which mm-hmm. the documentary didn't touch on. There's not much about him or anything. Yeah. I mean, he, he has said some stuff about it. It's in the theories okay. here. Um, but my biggest thing for this, the whole idea that Mora just left town started a new life in Canada is a, is my number one thing 
for not believing this is the fact that she had only just under $300. Yeah. She had no, like you need resources. You need to nobody, know people in the place that you're escaping to most of the time. Like yeah. in situations where people go on the run, they usually go to where they know people and where they can get resources. Right. Right. And as far as we know, Maura didn't know anybody in Canada and she had no money basically. How, yeah. And if she was pregnant, then that's even worse. Like, what are you going to be on the street in Canada pregnant? Like, what are you going to do? Steal? to your name and you had to go like survive and start a new life. Why would you go buy a bunch of alcohol? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Why would you waste $40 yeah. of your life savings on, on alcohol? alcohol. Like, that doesn't seem. Yeah, that's a great point. That doesn't seem to me like somebody that is planning to just start over. It, or what about the fact that she emailed her teacher saying, yeah, hey, I'll I'm be, gonna back. be back. Yeah. And to bring your textbook her, shows she may have been planning to do homework while yep. she was gone. And then her sister said they were going to go to Myrtle Beach and that yeah. she was looking forward to that. All signs point to that she was not doing going to I do think this. a lot of people go with the runaway theory because, well, first of all, she's like a runner. So people always say <laughs> that. But um, I think it makes people feel better to think. It makes me feel better to think she's alive and off living in Canada with uh, possibly with a baby. But like, is that reality? Is there enough evidence? I yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's enough evidence. And, you know, even if she was trying to just outrun her problems and possibly crimes at this point with the hit and run, if that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I just think like knowing her situation and her father and things like that, like, honestly, I think she would have done the opposite. I think she would have divulged all of these things to her dad because it seems like her dad kind of would even support her if she did these things like he obviously got angry but he didn't like yeah. boot her out or like threaten her no as far as we know or anything like that so it just seems very like unbelievable honestly yeah. that she would have just left and never been seen again and, yeah and what's weird though about this whole thing is that there are people in canada that even the the guys from the moramari podcast went to canada and showed people missing persons pictures of her and some people up there have said that they've seen her mm -hmm. in Quebec, and that's why we think she, if she did run away, that's where she'd be. Well, there's so many missing persons cases where people claim yeah. to have seen them, and then later on we find out they're dead or right. they were captive. There was no way they could have seen them. So, I mean, and and some thinking. of them turned out to be other people, not yeah. more at all. So it's seems unlikely that she right. she went to Canada. I think. And they had like an age progress image. Um, and no one was recognizing her from that mm -hmm. specifically. Like people were recognizing her like years down the road as exactly how she did, how she looked back then. I don't know. It's very difficult yeah. to, to, to do that. Yeah. Um, but we talked already talked about this theory. Some that the fact that maybe she just, you know, this happens a lot too. people, you know, exit their vehicles, walk into the forest, get lost and then die of hypothermia or just have natural causes in the woods, you know, is it possible that she did this and, you know, maybe the, the tracks got covered or we never found the tracks uh, that of her leading her off the road into the woods? That's a like, very odd way to, like, commit suicide. Like, maybe she took a bunch right. of sleeping pills and went out and got hypothermia. And it's weird because the police, the dude from the police in the documentary were saying, yeah, no, because or like she like, why wouldn't you find her body? They're like, well. Have you ever seen an animal's body in the well, woods? That's a, yeah, that was a, that's exactly such a good point. And really, that struck me as like, yeah, you're right. Like an animal like, could have taken her. There's tons of animals out in the forest. Obviously, how often do you run across a dead animal? 
rarely. But she's wearing clothes. She has right. a you would phone think with something. her. Yeah. Like the, the animal eat her phone too and take her phone. Like she had stuff with her. She had clothes on. I mean, they would, I feel like they would have found her. Yeah. If she was out there and. And then the fact he, there was no footprints is really weird. No blood. The dog no wasn't nothing. able to track it and we know how good they are. Right. So well, that's the whole thing. I just thing. feel like, like that that's not possible. You trust the dogs that they don't know or yeah. she she's not in the immediate area. So yeah. kind of, I don't know. I, I'm definitely ruling out hypothermia or, you know, committing suicide even. That was the other thing. You know, did she, was she leaving town to go commit suicide? Which definitely also seems possible. It's possible. I mean, if you're going to believe the idea that she could have ran away because of her troubles, you can definitely believe that she could have killed herself because of her troubles. Because you look at all the stuff that was going on. She was on probation. She had a drunk driving accident. She possibly could have had a hit and run. We're not sure. Right. It's a lot of things that yeah. would stack up to definitely make somebody in a bad mind state consider that possibility. And the sleeping pills is just the weirdest thing. Five boxes, like that's a lot. That's a lot. That, that's concerning. That, and then all the alcohol, like, yeah. What are you going to a party and passing out sleeping pills to everybody? Maybe like, she wasn't sure if she would. But do why it. five boxes? Like, I don't know. That's a lot. You maybe it was like a buy many. buy one get three free or like what? I don't know. That's so weird. I don't know. So weird. So we talked about this too and alluded to this a little bit. Maybe she was, you know, part of leaving was to run away from the men in her life. Um, yeah, such as uh, Bill uh, Rossick, who was her boyfriend, and then the other guy, the assistant coach of the college track team, uh, Hossein Baghdadi is his name. Ba he, I think it's Baghdadi. Baghdadi, sorry. And that guy actually recalls hearing Mara express her desire to leave. She talked about running away. She said, I wish I could disappear. When I heard that she was missing, I thought, holy crap, maybe she did it. That's that's interesting. Yeah. So what's crazy is that maybe it's a mixture of these theories. Like it literally could be like this crazy scenario yeah. where she was going to go maybe even like commit suicide in one of these peaceful places that she liked in Vermont or whatever, possibly, or have one last hurrah or something. And then it she ended up being a victim of foul play and like the plan things didn't go according to plan. And then, she was a victim of opportunity. Yeah. That's possible, I think. So James Renner, he is a author who wrote a book about uh, Mara. He's Mara, obsessed Mara, with Mara this Mara's case. Yes, he's very obsessed with this. And he said he received an email in 2016 from someone in Mara's inner circle of friends stating they spoke yeah. to someone in a pub about the disappearance. And the email reads as follows, which... Again, this how credible is this? It's yeah, that's the thing with James Renner's. He he definitely goes off. He the takes rumors. these rumors and kind of like which I really like his work. He has done some incredible like journalistic investigation stuff. But he's been he's one of those people that like has a narrative though that he wants to force on you and be like, well, he this says is he what, doesn't, but well, he does. I mean, he says some things he's with, trying to with write a lot of confidence. A true crime attic book. So interesting. But the email reads as follows. An army football game highlight or score came on the TV and I stopped the conversation to watch. The guy asked me why I and I explained it's because my dad graduated West Point and we always went to games when I was a kid and I still rooted for the team. He then started talking to me about the missing girl who had gone to West Point and then to UMass. I hadn't heard about it at the time and he explained to me what I know now is the 
Maura Murray case. He told me that it was an open secret among people who knew her personally at UMass that she ran on or that she ran off on her own to get away from an abusive relationship. Really? He said that he knew people that knew her and that had been in on the whole thing. Well, it could be possible. That's what's so crazy about it Mm -hmm. is because she said like she had all these issues with him or like, I mean, I guess she she was going to return. Why? Why tell everybody you're going to return? But they had like that when they would interview her friends and stuff, they weren't forthcoming with information. They Mm -hmm. said, yeah, like, why have any of her friends been in the documentary or said anything? Yeah, the, the. The people that are keeping quiet is very suspicious. Maybe it's a mixture of like she fucked up, she did there's things, or there could I be think, something we don't even know about that she did. That she was I think it's from. clear that there's just a lot of things we don't know still. Yeah. Specifics about what happened. Just talking to Mike. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. All right. So, pregnancy, we talked about that she could have possibly been pregnant, but again, no, you know, these are rumors at the end of the day. Some people right. even said she was bulimic. Yeah. A lot of people have talked about her being bulimic, actually. Um, because she was ordering, like, huge amounts of food for just herself. Right. So, I don't know. Which, I don't know, makes me think that she was with somebody. She could have had at all, the time types of her disappearance. Of, all types of problems. At the time of her disappearance? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, here, let's, let's get into that. Because we've already talked about possibility like it could have been a serial killer right like it could have been definitely you know definitely could have been a a serial killer out there the uh, disappearance in the similar matter of brianna maitland is very interesting and um the family investigator john healy thinks that maura was a victim of crime of opportunity she got into the wrong car she went to the wrong house one minute she's there 10 minutes later she's not so he thinks that she may have been picked off by somebody yeah which is very possible and that shit it's crazy the amount of like serial killers that are probably yeah. out there and the amount of missing people that could be responsible because i mean it's crazy how many like people kill other people and yeah, the amounts of people that they it. kill and get away with it yeah, right really that's so crazy so absolutely could be but what we were trying to allude to was this theory that's kind of known as the loon mountain three which is these two brothers and possibly this one other guy What's interesting about this is that some people think this Loon Mountain, this whole thing about Loon Mountain, the ski area, and these two brothers and stuff continues to get brought up in in Maura's case. And some people think that Maura may have had a relationship with one of these guys, a secret boyfriend even. Somebody that she, one of these brothers possibly, um, or these people that worked at the Mountain Club in uh, Lincoln, New Hampshire. So in the documentary, they talk about, they have a psychic come on. Mm -hmm. And they had another psychic on the um, podcast as well. It's interesting. They both talked, I'm pretty sure in the podcast, they also talked about her, something to do with the body of water. This psychic thinks that she was killed, but it was by someone that she knew. Yeah, that kind of betrayed her. That betrayed her. And that's that's where this is so interesting and is a very real possibility of this is kind of what happened. Like, so she could have been she may going have been to visit them? tricked by one of these individuals and that she was actually going up there. And the reason why nobody knew about where she was going is because it was a secret boy. It like, like it was a completely thing. secret relationship she was having. Because a lot of people have said that, you know, I hate using this word, but like she was promiscuous. Like she was like kind of known to like 
have multiple relationships and things going on. There's with nothing wrong people, with that. Which is, there's but, nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. I'm not but saying that. It could that, explain. It could explain this though that maybe she was going yeah. up there and this especially person, that's when she talked to her boyfriend on the phone. She's like, I don't feel like talking to anyone. Yeah. And she bringing alcohol up made it seem like she was going to party, especially the type of the alcohol. It just mm-hmm. seemed like something you would like make fun drinks with other people. Right. Yeah, and that mountain club is only 27 miles from where Moore's vehicle is found. And there's also a possible tie-in with a red truck with Massachusetts plates spotted in the area. Um, and a person named Rick Graves, again, I can't verify any of this. This is Reddit coming from Reddit. Yeah. But they're apparently someone named Rick Graves is somehow connected to this brother's family and reveals that this red truck that was supposedly seen in the area possibly with yeah. Mora was owned by one of the two Glenn brothers. And so are they connected to this next a frame theory? Right. Well, we, I don't think we even know who the people in the a frame are is the thing approached by a man. I don't think we know who they are. And for yeah. all we know, it could be one of the Glenn brothers or maybe the other guy accomplice or something that witnessed what happened possibly. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. Well, is, I think they thought that they lived in that. I don't know. See, this stuff is so, it's so, so crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. We have no idea. There's a possibility. The Glenn brothers are connected with the a frame, but we don't know the it's since been turned over to new owners. They've renovated a lot of stuff. So a lot has changed since 2004. And again, I mean, I think this goes back and shows that I think the police did just such a terrible job of investigating this or, yeah, being thorough with their their or search taking and it seriously taking it right taking it person. serious as like a possibly a crime especially when you hear there's like a young girl by herself traveling like they told obviously yeah. butch told them it was a young girl it's just like weird to not Why go look for not her in the middle of the night in the mountains there's a bunch of like crazies up here and sex offenders yeah. like why yeah. would you as a cop there is think, a bunch like, of them up there yeah, right like yeah the, there the is 100%. community has talked about it yeah Mm-hmm. There's like a ton of sketchy people, Herman's which I'm sure a lot out. of them are like kind of on the suspect list. That's the thing. Like, yeah, interest. maybe they are persons of interest. So this is another theory um, that involves something called Desolation Trail. And this is something else that came out of uh, James Renner's work. And he claims he received an email that led to this Desolation Trail. He said a couple of years ago, someone sent me an email with the title Stop Looking, signed Ray uh, Rumau which word scrambled synonym for Maura Murray. And inside the email were coordinates, and these coordinates led to a section of wilderness on the north slope of Mount Kerrigan. And the best way to get there is to hike up this desolation trail from the trailhead near Bartlett. And people have actually gone up there into these coordinates, and there's actually nothing there. The actual Maura Murray podcast guys, they actually went to the coordinate location finally (laughs) with a bunch of camera crew and everything else because they... At, they were going to do it on their own at first, but they were creeped out, which yeah. I'd be fucking creeped out, too. I wouldn't want to go to Someone some random person's yeah. coordinates. You never know, especially in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah, and like, it was like a difficult place to get to. They had to like hire some dude to like help them navigate and get there. In thick, thick forest. And yeah. they went there, and there was literally nothing there. Yeah. It was clearly like a joke. And that's what's so shitty about this is like yeah. anonymous. You can send things anonymously online, yeah. and you have no idea if it's legit or not. Right. And like, you don't want to not take it seriously because like, what like if well, it's, maybe yeah. somebody would take a body all the way up to those coordinates and leave it there. Or yeah, but it was like a really there. hard hike. But it was like yourself. seven it was hour hike. Yeah. It was snowing. This is December. Yeah. Right? Or it was February. like, how would anybody get up there? Yeah. So that's been basically sort of disproved. And, and I'm just going to throw this out there because I think this could be another 411 situation. 
maybe, you know, maybe even government possibility here. So my th initial thoughts of this whole case before I knew all the other details was that maybe, just maybe, you know, Maura Murray was in West Point Academy. She was involved with the military stool school, kind of involved with that. And she was very athletic. She was very intelligent. She was, um, she was just, you know, maybe she was a great candidate for some type of top secret government program, research program, something like that. Maybe she had put herself into it, researchers, you know, at the university. Because from what we have read and like from things that we've heard, which we can't say that this is I mean, I can't happening. verify anything from fact, but I have listened to a lot of whistleblowers, people that have worked for these programs, these black ops programs that exist within the government that have said that this does happen a lot, yeah. that the government, I mean, we even saw this with MK Ultra and stuff like people could be abducted by the government and put into these programs for years at a time. And I mean, or the person chooses to be, or the person part of chooses it. to like be a part of it or they offer it. Exactly. Because there's a lot of people that claim that they had, or like people that have left their lives to go. Right. Like there are positions where yes. you can't have a life. You're not allowed to have a family. Right. Exactly. You're not Absolutely. I mean, you're working so, in an underground facility. Could it be like, okay, well, if you do this, you have to go missing, but you'd have like some big role. Maybe she had some skill that, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is a major maybe, um, but it's interesting too. If you guys remember the case, uh, Bryce Las Pisa from California, he was a college student left. It was acting kind of weird, left in the middle of the night, was sitting like near this mountain on this road forever, wouldn't come home. And then he crashed his car and disappeared from the crash site. And he was really close to a military base. So I started thinking, I haven't seen anyone else say that, but I started thinking when I did the video that maybe he left on purpose because he seemed really smart. Um, so, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they they're being recruited skill. into it or something or you never know. I mean, mm -hmm. I just think if you're going to willing to consider all these other theories and yeah, stuff you that you have to consider, I mean, and that's the thing that people don't want to consider or don't want to because there's not, we don't have like that concrete proof or yeah. have examples of it happening before that can be proven right but it is interesting it is, yeah. that there is so much testimony out there from individuals that say they were in these things and we can verify a lot of things and corroborate stuff it's very interesting and i think it's a possibility that you know there might be these top secret research programs there could be you know advanced black ops military programs happening in the middle of the national parks or forests and so they tell you like hey come to this random point in the road you know, maybe stage it like an accident and then, you know, you disappear into the woods into some underground facility yeah. that's or someone's totally waiting hidden. for you or down somebody's waiting to pick or... you up or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to think about, too, because like what if she could she have purposely caused the accident? And if she was running away, could she have purposely caused the accident? What if she had a whole well-developed plan, right, had people helping her to get away like, what if she did something really bad, you know, like, and she had to get away and we just don't even know because a lot of James Renner has speculated that that party that she went to could have been a goodbye party for her. Right, right. And that her friends were helping her. Um, and you know what? If one of my girlfriends like was in a really abusive relationship, I might help them, too. I mean, you can you never know well, like, that's, that's what they could what know. We think. And I think that's what he thinks, too, is that. There's people out there that know stuff that aren't saying anything and there's a yeah, lot more information to this like. that's being hidden and probably kept quiet by a, a lot of the people that were closest to Maura, including friends of hers 
and uh, possibly even relatives. So. But that, I feel like, gives us more of a chance of this possibly being solved. Are the pieces finally coming together? If there really are people being quiet, like, how long can they be quiet? Is right. like I really think that in our lifetime, this one could be solved. And I really hope I so, because so. this one bothers me so fucking much. I cannot come up with what I think really happened. I, I really still think there's a possibility she just she seriously just left. Um, I think that's one of the top top theories for sure but then at the same time it's like it also makes sense that she could have been snatched by anyone in that area take it into their creepy cabin and never seen again yeah yeah i think i what if she's living in one of them like the girls that were in cleveland they were living in that house for three years in um ariel castro's house yeah i mean well that's the thing right is you disappear into the forest you could end up you know being held captive or something yeah inside someone's house and no one would yeah. ever know like no one would ever I'm just come shocked look they wouldn't you, search you that one guy's house that woods or, yeah, yeah Butch's Butch. house yeah yeah and he ended up dying before anybody could yeah. interview him or i'm sure I, I i honestly feel like he probably knew more than what he told or what we heard from him possibly maybe i i think or he could be even involved involved with this for all we know who knows so yeah i mean we'll see We'll see in the coming years if any new information comes out. Yeah, I really um, hope so, man. But I'll definitely link in the description how you can, you know, if you have a tip or you know something about this case, um, we'll put the the links for contacting um, the local law enforcement. So if, if you do have some information, you can submit it. But, you know, all we can really do is keep talking about these cases and keep trying to, to figure interest, it out, keep yeah. it alive. So mm -hmm. uh, that's about the best that we can do. Uh, with this so thank you guys for joining us for today's episode we hope you enjoyed it if you we did for sure want to know what like you subscribe think. yeah definitely let us know your theories in the comment section uh, or tweet it at us at mile higher pod we want to know what you guys think about this because this is a yeah. such a crazy i mean it, it will keep you up at night i think if you really become obsessed with it and it's you just will. one of those cases because there's so many options like i feel like there's not one theory that most people believe mm -hmm. it's so like you ask anyone who knows about this case and they have like a different opinion and a different idea it's mm -hmm. so crazy yeah yeah absolutely so definitely let us know but we're excited to be bringing you guys the hemp podcast next so look yes. forward to that but thanks again for watching listening it's been real keep your life a mile higher <laughs> see you guys next time bye